Hey, welcome live to the Week 4 Recap for the Division Football Countdown. Tonight we're going to recap all four games, which includes the game that we just saw from this past weekend. Players of the week, power rankings. If you have comments, you can leave them in the comment section. Uh, we will display those uh, as time warrants for us. Just wanted to pass on a couple of housekeeping items before I bring the panel in tonight. Uh, the first of which is a happy belated Canada Day. Hope everybody had a great day. Also, to our American listeners and viewers, welcome. Happy July 4th or Independence Day. We're a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. As always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought, brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Oshinabe Cree, OG Cree, Dakota, and Dene people, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto, Dakota, Lakota, Nakota, and Métis Nation. Now, without further ado, let's bring in the rest of the panel situated in the center of the screen. Probably the guy that had the least impact on tonight's football game, but that's okay. Uh, we bring in the great Adam Stewart. Welcome, Adam. Oh, I can't hear you. Okay. Welcome back to you. Trey, I trust your signal is working okay. Uh, we bring in the great Trey Corbett. Welcome, Trey. Hey, guys. Uh, you know, Ryan leaves for one night and everything goes to hell. So, uh, you know, hopefully we'll turn this around, I'm pretty sure. But uh, I'm doing uh, pretty good. Uh, we're excited to talk football. Yeah, this was a crazy week. Interesting week. I really want to know what you guys uh, what you guys think about this once we get microphones and everything figured out. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to talk football. Adam, you good to go, buddy? Yeah, yeah, I'm good to go. My uh, my uh, camera or my uh, what do you call it? mouse actually just quit right at the wrong time there, and I was like, oh gee, now I can't hit the mute button. Anyways, yeah, no, I'm excited about this week here. What a game we just witnessed! Uh, can't wait to talk about that. Uh, and uh, yeah, all, you know what? All games this week, top notch, uh, pretty much all around. So uh, yeah, let's get her going. For those that are wondering, Ryan is away tonight. He's busy cooking up something for the show. So he's pulling a mad tonnage in this week. Uh, he will be back on Wednesday night. Uh, so we appreciate uh, Ryan leaving out the keys to the car, which we promise will get off to a much better drive going forward. Uh, that being said, let's talk about the game that just ended. Uh, now that we've had a few minutes for the heart rate to come down. Um, boy, guys, I don't know where to start with this one. It's 22-22, and Toronto's about to get the convert. And, well, I say to Ryan, we might have to start the show a little bit later because we're going to overtime. And I watched the convert, and uh, Boris Beatty misses the convert after Toronto just the touchdown, a two-yard touchdown to come back. From 17 nothing down. Um, Trey, since you are a Bomber fan, why don't you start us off with what you saw in this one? Close, not pretty, but job done for the Bombers? You know, it's a tough one here because I, if you watch the first half, they were up, what, 17-3, uh, right? So you thought, mm, this is easy. 
and uh, you let them get back in it. And I think the main reason they got back in it was number 33 on uh, the double blue side, right? So very interesting game. I think uh, this was one that Toronto lost, obviously, more than Winnipeg won. Um, yeah, it's a very tough game to analyze. I haven't had much time to think about it, honestly, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Not a perfect game by Caleros. Uh, the defense bails him out, and that seems to be the recipe in uh, Winnipeg. Uh, Adam, what did you see? Well, let's face it, I watched, uh, well, actually most of it this time, which was quite nice. It was raining in Saskatchewan, so I finally got to actually just watch a football game. Uh, but anyways, uh, no, what I seen in there was uh, a one-dimensional team from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, unfortunately. Uh, let's face it, we haven't seen a whole lot of offense out of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers this year. They've uh, brought in McCray now as a running back, which makes me concerned on what's going on over there. Uh, with Augustini and with uh, and it could be just an injury issue that they had to bring in another American in there but it, it kind of looked off and you know what uh, let's face it they didn't really have a whole lot of targets on field Dalton Joan had a great game uh, anybody that picked him in fantasy had quite a few points this week uh, yeah I kind of figured Trey anyways uh, the other one also is uh, on the other side of the football though the Toronto Argonauts I mean let's face it first half I thought that uh, it was going to be a very short night for McLeod Bethel Thompson. He uh, started off with two interceptions, should have been three. If they had a big hill, could have caught that one other one. Uh, and then turned it around. He had, was nine for nine going into the uh, first half. At the end of the uh, first half, he really got going and got some momentum uh, on his side. And Toronto looked pretty good until another uh, bounced up fumble uh, interception kind of sort of ball. We got to talk about a different touchdown right away for the Argonauts, but we'll do that in a little bit. Uh, and let's face it, they um, the Argonauts looked like they had some momentum, but uh, yeah, Bombers eventually pull it off. But uh, I would uh, like to say that I really appreciate our kicker uh, for uh, for my uh, football team. And uh, yeah, I uh, I feel I feel terrible for Boris Beatty and the Argonauts right now. Kind of shades of uh, Damien against uh, Montreal there where David Cote misses the point after. It, it's kind of interesting how the shoe kind of fits both feet so soon in the season. But in, in all seriousness, though, what did we think about McLeod Bethel Thompson? I'm going to talk about Toronto to them, and I wind up talking about Winnipeg for another 20 minutes, and we didn't, we didn't forget to talk about Toronto. But... What what did you think about McLeod Bethel Thomas? I mean, obviously not the best start. The interceptions, the sat, you know, the 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 bot snaps, uh, which I'm sure will be dealt with this week. But more so, what did you think of his ability to bounce back? Because I think in the past we would have seen McLeod Bethel Thompson dwell on that, and and to be able to put that away and to be able to give his team a fighting chance. I, I think has to be a positive for the Ardos, no, Adam? Yeah, I agree. I think that it's pretty well a positive. I mean, Cloud Bethel Thompson's been known for having these good second half games. And I mean, let's face it, he had a great uh, backfield also that was helping him out a lot with Andrew Harris there. I mean, the guy had 111 yards rushing on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, which is just not very common, especially when you got Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat there. So, uh, you know what? McLeod Bethel Thompson did all right. He's got to get starting a little bit quicker. Uh, has to get some momentum going earlier. I didn't like what I seen from some of the receivers with what uh, conversations were going on in the bench there uh, in Toronto, uh, especially with uh, 
between Brandon Banks and I think some of the offensive line. I think it was Blake, if I'm not mistaken, I think. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, McLeod Bethel-Thompson, I mean, he's he's what he is. I mean, he's, he's known for being a second-half guy. He did turn it around a bit, and he did have a pretty decent uh, second half. Uh, just not enough. I mean, they, they did what they needed to do to win that game. Unfortunately, yeah, uh, a little bit left, and uh, this game might have been still going on. Trey? Yeah, you know, they're lucky they have a guy like Pinball as a GM to come down and sit the kids down and say, listen here, you know, we don't do this. Uh, we This is a pinball. You don't do this on Pinball's organization, right? But, yeah, you know, he played a very good second half, I thought. I thought I for sure thought the Bombers were going to end up losing that one even in overtime because – Bethel Thompson got hot and Claros kind of died down. So who would be the hotter quarterback going into OT or, well, you know, and we saw what happened and, you know, I don't know about Bethel Thompson, you know, I know Mike kind of rags on him all the time and I was a little higher up on him, but now I'm starting to feel more like Mike. And I think it might be Kelly diamond Toronto, but you know, cause you kind of thought maybe when Dinwiddie's halftime comments there, he's like, Oh, not yet or not now or something, you know, hinted that it was definitely a conversation that was had. So, I think it's a definitely big discussion here, but you know, like we said, the East what's Toronto still sitting first. Yeah. They're first. So, you know, whatever, <laughs> I guess at the end of the day, your first in your division doesn't matter, Mike. Yeah. And that's interesting. And that, that's interesting too, because uh, it, I definitely, I got that same impression listening to pinball um, or listening. Yeah. Sorry to uh, Dinwiddie. Pardon me. It was a couple of thoughts I had in there with pinball too. Uh, coming down as level. don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, you know, smiling pinball, very, very serious. It's almost like he wanted to go down there and have a word with somebody uh, to, to defuse the situation. But for sure, I agree. I think there was the conversation that was had. And, you know, I, I think if he doesn't come out of the half with that first drive and make that big play, you know, to kind of set them up, and let's just say they go three and out and punt the ball again. I'm pretty sure we may have seen Kelly in this game. And as far as I'm concerned, the jury's still out on McLeod Bethel Thompson. And you, it's hard to get a look on, on Kelly because he came in, you know, when the game was clearly out of reach against BC. But I'm going to make a bold prediction here on this show. And that is that we're going to see Kelly make a starter to before the season is over, and it's not going to be injury-related. I, I think there's something not right there with Toronto. Uh, I think they're fortunate to be in the East where, you know, it's one win gets you, and it's a head-to-head win, of course, uh, gets you first. Uh, Trey, let's talk quickly. We saw a couple wrinkles from the Blue Bombers uh, today. And that included using McCray as a running back option. Everybody seems to talk about, you know, Johnny Augustine, Brady Alvera. What did you think of this McCray, McCray twist? And by extension, a couple handoffs for uh, Janarian Grant as well. I, I'm not liking those swing plays that the Bombers are doing. I don't think they're, res- I don't think they got the right guys in their spots. So I thought it was very disorganized. Kind of thought a couple of times it looked like there wasn't a set-up play even when they did it. So, I don't know. I think they got to go back to just north-south football with their running game and give it to Oliveira or Augustine or somebody that way. I'm not liking the west-east stuff the Bombers are trying. Um, you know, like I said, it's been a, something that's been a bread-and-butter thing with Dembski. And I think when you have Dembski mixed with Harris, it worked better. 
and back a couple of years ago, even Lucky Whitehead. But this year, the guys don't seem to have it that they have in there. So maybe when Dembski comes back, they can start going east-west. I think they got to go north-south. Uh, Adam, what do you think about that? You know, actually, I didn't mind McCray there in the backfield. He did. He had a different dynamic than what Augustini and uh, Oliveri have. I mean, let's face it, those guys are north-south runners. They just pound up the ball and try to go up the middle. If, if McCray goes and he stretches that field out a little bit, which you guys are going to be missing for from Nick Dembski for a fair while. So to me, it's kind of a substitution a little bit for uh, Nick Dembski. Uh, Julian Grant are the uh, the Grant ones. I'm not as sure about because again. They didn't. They weren't really executed that well. But I didn't mind the McCray ones, especially early in the game. Uh, it seemed to help stretch out that uh, Toronto uh, defense a little bit, and uh, at least make them respect the outside a little bit more. Just because, let's face it, we all know that Zach Kalaros is not a running quarterback by any stretch of the imagination usually. So it was nice to see that uh, they did something to make that a little bit opening. The only thing I didn't like about it was. After you do that, you got to put Oliveri in or Augustini in to pound the ball north-south and or you exploit that uh, stretched-out defense. So I I didn't mind it as much, I guess I should say. But, uh, no, it was it was good. So, Mike? Yeah, really quickly, let's touch on that Blue Bomber defense, which I think was the linchpin to this victory. Uh, again, led by number four in the middle there, Trey Adam, big tail, couple big uh, – couple of big plays there. I did not pressure on the quarterback. And a guy that's taking a fair amount of heat in this city for his start, at least uh, Winston Rose having a pitch sits to kind of get things started. But just really quickly, uh, Trey, I fought on that Blue Bomber defense anchoring the way to a victory. Oh, they're the only reason the teams are 4-0. and Like that's that, the defense. So, yeah, I was impressed with Winston Rose. He actually maybe looks fully healthy because that you know he played that ball well. Uh, I even was impressed with Jefferson and Jeff Coat on the line and Jake Thomas. He had that big trip on our big uh, big sack on uh, MBT near the fourth, I think it was. And then yeah, the D line played well. Every part of the defense played well. And I can't remember who it was, but whoever had that should have been pick on Banks. That was timed perfectly, and then Banks just did the veteran move and uh, stole it right out of his bread basket there. So I think the defense played almost in nearly perfect football near maybe the third, fourth quarter. And then they started doing what they do, Ben, not break, but Hey, they somehow got the, got the win. Uh, Adam. No, the defense was absolutely uh, the essential for the Winnipeg blue bombers. Otherwise we'd be talking about a Toronto Argonaut victory. Uh, Nick, uh, I think it was uh, Nick Taylor, I believe, that had that uh, beautiful pick there on uh, Banks. Eight tackles tonight, had a great game. Uh, yeah, no, the defense of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is right now what's keeping this team 4-0. Uh, if they play, if that offense, I'll tell you right now, if they play that offense like that against the BC Lions, the Lions are going to win this one pretty handedly. So they got to fix some stuff in offense on the uh, Winnipeg side of the ball, but the defense... Let's face it, keep the good times rolling over there. That, uh, that Willie Jefferson has come back, and he is uh, doing much better. And, hey, even an onside kick recovery. Mike? Really quickly, Trey, the fantasy uh, information for that game, uh, how, how did everyone do in their pitch for this game? You mean the betting, not fantasy? I don't know fantasy. <laughs> right? Yeah, the betting. So, so Sorry, uh, in, in the betting uh, department. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, oh, I had it right here. Um, 
First, you know, tonight we all took Winnipeg minus five. That missed extra point cost us money. cost me money. Um, so, yeah, if we count that game, uh, we all got it wrong. Uh, not a great way to end the weekend, boys. But that's okay. We'll get them next weekend. I just want to touch real quick. This is We're the, going to the, what, Adam? No, I was just saying this is the worst for myself because, A, I picked the Bombers, and, B, they win, but yet I didn't win my bet. Like, th- this sucks. <laughs> I know we got to move on to the next game, but just an interesting point here. In three games, Toronto's only scored 45 points, and that's the least out of any team that's played three games. Uh, I believe BC's got, well, BC's 137. They're leading the league and played one less game. Calgary's at 93, and Ottawa's at 60. And, you know, all the other teams have played four games. So, like, Toronto's got to start scoring, you know. So, if we want to, you know, if Harris isn't getting into the end zone and Bethel Thompson isn't throwing it into the end zone. Like, you know, they don't have the defense that seems to put up the points like Winnipeg does. So 45 points after three, and they only got three against BC, right? So they need to start scoring. I think that's a big issue in Toronto. We know we're going to probably talk about Hamilton and Ottawa and a couple of the other Eastern teams, but at least they're putting points on the board. So, you know, anyway, we'll go on to the next one. Yeah, you know what? It's good because... You don't want to come out of the come out of the shoot at full capacity. You want to try to build your way through the eighteen game season, but it's the CFL. And if you had something, if you had nothing to work on at four and zero, you know you you didn't have to nitpick. So always something to work on. I, I think the Bombers' championship edge is what's allowing them to get off to this great start. But we'll see because uh, they're coming out with a. Uh, well, with the gauntlet of a schedule coming up, including their opposition coming into Saturday's game, moving to 3-0 and with a 34-31 victory over the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. And again, it's close, but not close enough for Ottawa. Uh, Adam, how did you see this game? Well, let's face it, Ottawa uh, didn't start off the overly greatest. I mean, BC Lions came in early and started swinging early. And I mean, uh, I thought that actually, you know, after a little while here, uh, the momentum changed right over. It was all the Ottawa Red Blacks for the defense. They had two picks in a row over on Nathan Work, which is, again, not Nathan Work style. But it was very nice to see the adversity uh, that he took. And then how he responded and came back with a touchdown uh, and kept momentum going for the BC Lions. Ottawa, give them credit. They pushed the BC Lions as hard as they could. And yes, BC was on a, on a short week and everything else. You could make a little bit of that. But, uh, you know, overall, I thought that the uh, Ottawa Red Blacks played good enough to win it. But the BC Lions, again, you got to be good to be lucky and lucky to be good. And they were good enough to win this game. Uh, another big stat here was Keon Hatcher in this game. Uh, we'll be talking about him later on, I'm sure, a little bit. But, uh, Trey, what did you think of this game? You know, it's interesting. We keep saying giving credit to Ottawa, but, you know, they're still winless as well. So, yeah, it was a very interesting game. Uh, Nathan Rourke, other than two picks, played pretty well. You know, three, uh, just 360 yards, two touchdowns. The two picks, but he also ran for a boatload, too, and got a touchdown there. So, it's still going to be keeps being the Nathan Rourke show and they keep edging out wins. And again, Ottawa's that team. We just keep saying, Oh, let's give them benefit. They've lost the close ones, close ones, but losses are losses and they're piling up. They're so lucky they are in the East and there isn't one division. Uh, so yeah, Adam, uh, sorry, Mike, what about you? Yeah, no, to me, it's just interesting, right? Because 
we we see this Nathan Ward gunslinger mode and this guy that likes to come out and uh chuck bombs and run for uh you know long touchdowns uh, around the end. Guys, I have had this discussion not necessarily in the group chat, uh, but with with maybe it was in the group chat, but mostly with Ryan. Like I have not been ready to put Nathan Work in the top tier of quarterbacks in this league. I am waiting for him to crack. I am waiting for the pressure to get to him. But unfortunately, I think I'm going to be waiting a whole lot longer uh, because this guy just shows, shows no sign of slowing down. Um, you know, it's a different guy every week, uh, seemingly. You know, in that day, week one, it was the, the running bats. Uh, Butler there, and then, you know, it was Grimes, and then, you know, we talked about Hatcher, and, uh, you know, all those types of guys. It's, it's a different guy every night. It's, it's a devil advocate uh, situation for coordinators of who, to, uh, of who to cover because it's like a pick-your-poison scenario. Um, but, again, like, Ottawa, to me, I think the score flattered this game a little bit. Um, you know, from a standpoint, but, you know, I don't really feel like BC lost control of this game as much as the score is close, but I, I think it just goes to show the where Ottawa has to go, uh, has a ways to go, right, to overcome. You know, there's certain teams that I, I would put Winnipeg in this boat, right? They can make mistakes. Uh, they can continue to continue to roll uh, and then overcome those mistakes. Whereas right now it's Ottawa kind of one mistake compounds to another, compounds to another. And I think we're seeing the maturity of the BC Lions right right before our eyes. Uh, we saw a team that struggled, clearly knew they struggled uh, last year, went out and addressed their issues and, uh, now they're being rewarded for it um, when everybody seemingly thought they were crazy for having worked at quarterback. Um, now it looks like they have at least one of the favorites, if not the favorite for MOP, uh, four weeks into the season. So it's interesting, right? Because I think Ottawa's making mistakes that are costing them games, but they're also right there, right? They remind me of that Bomber team, but one five or six games uh, all those years ago. I can't remember which year it is because they seem to run together, but they lose a lot of games within that one possession window. So it's just very interesting uh, in in that regard. Um, Let's talk quickly about Ottawa. I mean, and I guess we can kind of tie this into into one of our other games. Uh, probably actually our next game. So I'm going to ask this question with an eye sort of for this game and an eye sort of for the next game. Uh, We're going to play a little game that I did not prepare you guys for, and it's a simple question. Concern index. Where are you more concerned? Ottawa? Hamilton? And the case could be made for both. And we'll start with Trey on this one. Hamilton. I mean, 
I, I can't, you know, the, the uh, two-time East winning team here. They got Dane Evans. They, you know, they had the they had the pick of the quarterback really, and you know, Ottawa was going to get the other guy most likely. So yeah, it's Hamilton to me. I mean, there's probably a little concern in Ottawa, but I mean, Hamilton's just got that team that I think I had them second, and they could easily be last. And Ottawa was the team I think more people thought were fourth, and now they're sitting second, third, fourth, depending on where the points technically are in the tie breaks right now. So, you know, it's, I think it's Hamilton. Uh, Adam? No, I think it's Hamilton too. I, You know what, uh, Trey, uh, like I said, if you look at the uh, stats this week, yeah, he didn't have a very good completion percentage, but Jeremiah Mazzoli had no picks. He didn't allow, he managed the football okay. Uh, only 150-odd some yards, which is not going to cover a uh, 162 yards, my apologies, a 51.9 per completed per, uh, completion percentage. So as soon as he gets more uh, work with his uh, receiving core, I think he'll probably be all right when he gets some more work with Darvin Adams and with uh, Jalen Acklin. I think he'll be fine. Uh, he also had a returning uh, William Powell back this time. So that I don't think is a concern as much over in Ottawa right now. Uh, I think the run game is better uh, just because William Powell's there. Uh, so if I'm concerned right now, it would be the Hamilton Tiger Cats, uh, just because Dane Evans has not looked very comfortable at all uh, with that offensive line in front of him, unlike the Ottawa Red Blacks, who really don't have no pressure on them. They, they weren't expected to do much this year, uh, except for Trey, who thought that they're probably going to cross over. Uh, but everybody else uh, really didn't think much of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, but you know what? Hey, they're, they're playing... Uh, Again, they're not of one yet, but I think it's just a matter of time before they get that first one. Once they get the first, momentum's a funny thing. Mike? Yeah, I would agree as Hamilton. I mean, just touching on my other point here before we move on move on to uh, the next game, and that is I like what William Powell brings to the Ottawa offense. I know it was a loss. I know it was his first game this year. But you can start to kind of see the William Powell that, you know, everybody was accustomed to when he started in Ottawa, uh, when he was in Saskatchewan, although one could argue he was underutilized there. Uh, but, you know, you can really start to see the confidence. And I, I think, you know, William Powell brings so much more to the huddle than just his ability to crank out five to seven-yard runs, uh, which, which puts a quarterback like Mazzoli uh, in uh, in very manageable second down scenarios, uh, also having an, an extra block. So I think, yeah, I would agree, you know, the, the concern index, if you want to call it that, uh, much more slanted in, in the direction of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And it's interesting because they're on a bye this week, and I think I was having this conversation with Ryan about, you know, what, what, what kind of changes Hamilton could have. Um, you know, I, I've heard a life of me here, and we'll, we'll actually we'll roll right into this into this Hamilton-Edmonton game because I, I think it's going to tie into exactly what I, what I want to talk about here. Uh, the score was the Edmonton House and Trey Ford coming out with a 29-25 victory over Hamilton. This is one of my concerns with Hamilton. Where's the running game? It started so well. It started so promising that they were going to run the ball. And then it disappeared. And it's almost like the running quarterback of Trey Ford kind of threw Hamilton in a wrench, like they were caught in between. 
And to me, this is an offense in Hamilton that's completely out of sync. Um, that needs a running game, but they so badly had for the first part of that game. And I was like, good, you're going to run the ball. And then you went away from it. And it cost you. And Trey Ford quickly had him uh, making his CFL debut uh, at quarterback, the second Canadian quarterback to start a game in the CFL this year. Uh, coming through with some big uh, clutch plays with his legs and with his arm. Uh, none more so late in the game uh, when it came to making a rally. Is the quarterback controversy quiet for a week? I know they're going into Battle of Alberta on Thursday, but as far as I'm concerned, Adam, don't fit what ain't broke or don't change what ain't broke. It, it's Chris Jones. He's going to change everything, and probably he's going to have Deron Carter for the throwing footballs next week. I'm kidding you. But you know what? Trey Ford actually did look pretty good on his uh, – well, again, manageable on his first game. Uh, percentage, uh, 57% completions, 15 for 26 with 159 yards, one TD, one pick. Uh, again, he's just learning the game here in the CFL. The guy's been throwing footballs uh, in the CIS, which is great, or sorry, U sports, I should say. Uh, so he does know the game a little bit. Uh, he looked all right. I mean, like I say, you're right. He did at least be able to extend uh, plays. He had six carries for 61 yards. An average of 10 yards. So, I mean, you're getting a first down anytime he touched the ball. So, or decided to carry the ball, I should say. Uh, so, overall, Trey Ford looked okay to me. He deserves a start against the Stampeders. Uh, overall, I think he'll be all right. Does this stop the controversy? No, because I still say that the Edmonton Elks are building for something greater. And if they think they can get something out of Nick Arbuckle, uh, like maybe an extra couple more completions or maybe make the receiving core do a little better, they'll put him in. Chris Jones has no mercy on switching quarterbacks at any time, at any place, for any reason. So to me, I think that you're probably going to look and see uh, Trey Ford start it, but I don't see the leash being very long for anybody as an Edmonton Elk. Uh, Trey, what about you? See, I think he's a bad game or two away from that leash. Like You're right. Um, but at the same time, I think Edmonton can be very dangerous right now. You know, yeah, that running quarterback. And he, you know, I think we, we talked about, I, this wasn't a group chat. This was on Twitter. I said the jump from U sports to CFL might be tougher than NCAA to CFL, even with the rule changes. He, he kind of proved me wrong. I think he, he looked like a man out there. He didn't look like a 22-year-old, 23-year-old at times. Maybe he didn't make the great choices, but when he was getting tackled, he wasn't sliding feet first a lot. He was putting his head down and going. That could be a concern later for a different reason, but at the same time, he was running that game when I saw him with it. And, yeah, I'm very impressed. He just maybe, you know, picks up a few more uh, passing. It's going to be the Lamar Jackson thing. A lot of people are going to be like, he can't throw, he can't throw, and then next game he's going to throw for 350. Like, just watch, you know. And this is the, could be the week to do it against Calgary. I have so... I think he'll get the start for sure this week. After that, you're right. Chris Jones, Deron Carter could be in there. Uh, their receiver quarterback guy could be in there. You know, Chris Jones might go play under center. Who do we know? Like, you know, so. But I think it's Trey Ford's team going into uh, Calgary this week. Let's quickly, guys, talk about the other quarterback, Dane Evans. Uh, you know, you want to talk about a guy making his first start? 
I mean, you could seriously make the argument for a guy that is basically hanging on to his starter's job by a thread who doesn't really have a backup to show of some consistency. No offense to Matthew Schiltz, but part of me wonders just how long of a leash uh, Dane Evans has going forward. Uh, you know, it seems like, a, you know, two steps back, two steps forward, two steps back. Um, and to be honest, guys, I think a lot of that could be alleviated by some kind of a running game. Um, you know, I think you're putting way too much uh, on the arms and the athleticism of Dane Evans, but he can't just do it all. Um, granted, I mean, there's offensive line injuries in Hamilton and all of that, uh, which you know, could be the reason for, you know, the pass-heavy type of offense. But, boy, oh, boy, guys, like, I got a wonder coming out of the bye. Is Dane Evans going to be behind center that first practice back? Or, you know, is it going to be Matthew Schultz? How do you guys see that, Adam? You know what? I just look at the uh, offensive coordinator on this one, Tommy Condell. The guy has got to start running the ball a little bit. I know that you haven't had Don Jackson yet. Uh, Hills, Hills, I thought, showed a little bit of uh, promise there. Had uh, eight uh, carries, I believe, for 40 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, looked okay uh, in the first little bit, but then all of a sudden, okay, let's start throwing it. And you know what? Get your run game established. I think that's always Trey's motto is to run the football. So you know what? If you got the game and you got the ground control, you've got the air control as well eventually because defenses have to respect the run. They're going to open up the secondary. They're going to bring guys in to stop the run. And I think you're right there, Jim. I believe that Hamilton coaches are Tommy Condell of the offensive coordinator uh, for Hamilton is a guy that likes to throw the football. We've seen this now for three, four years now since uh, Tommy's been in there. And it just does not seem to be working right now for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They had different quarterbacks back then. They had Jeremiah Mazzoli when they needed to throw the ball back in the day. They don't have him anymore. Matthew Schultz, is, I'm telling you right now, if they go that way, you're kind of almost calling the season, I think, a little bit as Hamilton fans. I uh, don't want to hear that. It's, it's not good no matter what you do that way. So either there's going to be one really weird trade coming up or they're going to find a quarterback that's uh, really somewhere out of the nowhere or Hamilton just has to start running the ball. And I think we know probably after the bye week and Don Jackson was borderline to go this week, I think we probably know which one's coming for in two weeks' time. Uh, Trey, what are you thinking on the Hamilton offense? Well, yeah, they were up, what, 13 in the third quarter? What? You melt the clock, boys. Like, that's just 101. You know, you, I, I've been playing Madden all day. That's all I do. You run the ball, melt the clock, you win three nothing. That's what you do, you know. But it, it, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And, you know, it stops the clock. He's not making very many completions if he's only throwing for 65% and 200 yards. So the clock stops. You're not running the ball. And you're right. We all know my keys to the game run the ball. So I don't know. And then, you know, we're talking about, I don't know, saw a couple of things like Nick Arbuckle going back to Toronto. Maybe he's the guy going to Hamilton. Like you said, what crazy trade could they do? Is 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 Montreal content with VA and 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 Harris? You know, there's a couple of quarterbacks out there, but again, you those teams seem to want to go with the one A, one B. So would they really give it up? 
what else is Hamilton going to find? They made their choice. They got rid of their 1A, 1B because they couldn't keep both. And now we're here. And Dane Evans still just looks like that spooked horse out there, you know, and it just, it's going to, he needs to put the, like a Ben, to put the blinders on, not be so jumpy. I thought maybe it was just a Winnipeg thing. I didn't really see it much in his first game or two. I saw it more in Winnipeg and it kind of came back again. And I don't know, but again, Edmonton could be a more dangerous team than we thought. You know, now looking at, we all talked about the East being better. And at this point, Edmonton's got a case for being better than a few of those teams in the East. So yeah, it's, I don't know. I think Hamilton really needs to readjust. And I think this is the perfect time for the bye week. Get your, uh, get your eggs in a row, get your ducks in a row, whatever, you know, get everything going. I screwed up that. Exp- I was going to swear. And then I, I, and I screwed up my expression. So, uh, but yeah, you got to get things going. And I think it's the perfect time. Get some health back. Get your old line back. Get the boys on the same page, uh, Mike. Yeah, it's it's interesting that way because you know I I think we're starting to see this steady build for Edmonton. Like it was really really bad. Like the lowest of low in week one, and slowly you can kind of start to see themselves uh, being picked up off the mat. Was this pretty? Absolutely not. But. You know, I think this showed that Edmonton can be in a game uh, when you leave the door open long enough. And that's unfortunately what happened. Uh, the door was open uh, a little bit too long, and uh, that's what happens. And it's, it's a learning lesson. Uh, you know, I have to really wonder, guys, and I don't have any insight into anything here, but I have to wonder if Tommy Condell will be the offensive coordinator the first day of practice. Um, you know, you did, did coming out of the bye, uh, the saving grace, and I guess, you know, their their landing pad is their one game out of first in the East, uh, being tied for first in the East. So, but uh, but again, realistically, like, somebody's going to make the playoffs, probably that number two seed, I would imagine. Uh, granted, there's a lot of head-to-heads uh, that, that are coming up toward the end of the year. But I think you'd be hard-pressed right now for that second-place team to be 500 or better uh, the way this is going. Um, Going to need some sizable uh, run to make it a uh, 10 and 8, 9 and 9 kind of, kind of spiel, which you know, I don't want to say abandon the divisions, but you know this is that same old debate we seem to have every single year. One division, two divisions. I mean, yeah, you're playing a lot of geographical games this year, but it might be time in Randy Ambrosi's new vision of the CFL to include uh, one division and let the best be the best. And you play geographical rivals and you see everybody, you go, you go to everybody a certain, uh, once if you're out east and maybe twice if you're in the west and you know, you see your geographical rival, like your Edmonton, Calgary, or Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, to make up the rest of those teams. But, you know, that's a debate that I think could take up an entire podcast, uh, one division versus two division. Uh, I do think the East has to get their ducks in a row at some point with all these head-to-head games coming up, because uh, that's the only win uh, for the East is Montreal defeating the Argonauts uh, in that uh, early season game. The rest has been, you know, the West is best, and we'll, we'll see how that kind of tends to even itself out down the stretch. 
So a team that I think has lost the benefit of being or has been shortchanged to the benefit of being in the West is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. They are three and one, but because of the way the standings uh, fall, they are in fourth in the West, which is almost unfathomable, right? To be three and one in your fourth. Well, you know, you got a, three, a pair of three and old teams and a four and old team. Seems kind of weird, but, you know, that's the way it kind of goes um, for for the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who kept this one close for a while, Adam, but pulled away in the second half, led by a Nick Marshall pit sits, among a few other big plays. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, when I look at this game here, I mean, it was a tale of two halves. The first half, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were floundering pretty good. I mean, the defense was still pretty exceptional. Uh, Chandler Worthy got another run back for a touchdown, which, you know, made somebody else available, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, the first half, until uh, pretty well uh, Brett Lowther lined up a 57-yard field goal and nailed it for the Rough Riders, this game here was uh, not really looking so overly great uh, for the Rough Riders. So I know what I did. I was at the game and I decided I'm going to go to the Ryder store and you know what? I think I need a new hat because this one sure ain't working for me. So I ended up going and uh, going into the Ryder store and getting a different hat coming back out. And uh, yeah, the Riders all of a sudden were an absolutely different team. That offensive line was pushing holes open for Jamal Morrow. Uh, Keon Schaefer Baker had an absolutely huge game for the Rough Riders. Uh, smaller guys too, like Mitchell Pickton had a touchdown for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And uh, no, it was just a great game overall in the end for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And of course, capped off, like you said before there, Mike, with the uh, with the Nick Marshall uh, touchdown uh, to seal it up for the Rough Riders. Uh, that being said, there's still some work to do in Saskatchewan. I think, uh, let's face it, I, I couldn't dare not bring it up with Duke Williams going 0 for 5. Yeah, I picked him on Fantasy this week. He ain't getting picked again for a while. Uh, anyways, yeah, no, the uh, the Rough Riders, I think it was a tale of two teams kind of, and the, the Riders came right back and absolutely dominated that uh, second half. Trey, what did you see at the game? Oh, and by the way, there we go. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I want to go back to my crossover pick. I got my Rough Rider teams mixed up. I meant the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are going to cross over, not the Ottawa ones. Um, no, but, <laughs> but um, yeah, I liked it. You know, yeah, it was a pretty close game early on, but then, you know, what took over and, you know, they put uh, Saskatchewan put up some serious points in the third, 21 unanswered points in the third, and they ran the ball. That, you know, again, you know, Morrow got over 100 yards, which, you know, I think our uh, – our buddy Ryan always complains that Morrow isn't used enough in Saskatchewan. Well, 103 yards and a touchdown. I think he got, you know, got some value out of him. And Schaefer Baker just picking up 90. You know, that's not a bad, you know, Saskatchewan did what they need to do. And they're going to keep doing that. And I think I, I couldn't imagine them of losing that game on a home-to-home in, in Saskatchewan, right? You know, could you imagine if they went two and two, you know, we're talking, they're still in the crossover, weirdly enough. And they still would be better than the best team in the East, but uh, yeah, I, it was a must-win for Saskatchewan, I think, to keep up with the with the big dogs there, Calgary, Winnipeg, and BC, and they did pretty well. Uh, Mike? Making sure I have the unmute button before I start doing it. 
doing it, I say, but yeah, no, it, it's interesting because I also think we learned one thing about Montreal in, in this game, and that is who their number one quarterback is and who their number one quarterback should be. And no offense to this gentleman, but his name is not Trevor Harris. Sorry, but uh, something happened to him where he's not the player that he once was. Uh, it's interesting to see um, just how that uh, works uh, in, in the future going forward. Uh, I would imagine VA gets to start uh, in the next game for Montreal. Uh, are you guys surprised I just Adam uh, Trey one of you can jump? matter who did you I know you both can answer this question is it a surprise to you how long at least Trevor Harris had in this game and that it took till very late to make that quarterback change what did you guys read into that you know not really because I like I say Trevor Harris was uh still able to pass the ball a little bit on the Saskatchewan Rough Riders for a little bit uh but uh, the other thing also is Vernon Adams just traditionally does not do very good against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Uh, Trevor Harris has a winning record up against the Riders. So I, I could see why they didn't make the change right away. Uh, I hope that uh, it doesn't cost Kahari Jones any favors up to up with management uh, because uh, he was playing uh, Trevor Harris for quite a little while, although I think Danny Machocha's guy is Trevor Harris. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Uh, to me, Trevor Harris played okay. I mean, let's face it, the Ryder defense was getting uh, getting right in his grill for a lot of it. So it was interesting to see how that goes. But uh, like I say, I, I honestly didn't see a real big issue with that. You give the guy the game, he, he's playing the game. What concerned me was uh, uh, on the other side of the football, Cody Fajardo takes a mean hit about a third of the way through the fourth quarter. And like Gene just said, it's going to be very interesting to see the rider injury report tomorrow uh, due to the fact that there was a lot of little injuries on the Saskatchewan side of the football. Uh, and the one there, like I say, Cody Fajardo with his knee there, it seems like he's okay. But you know what? I would have liked to see Mason Fine in maybe a little bit earlier just to give him some reps in case of a problem. Uh, Trey, what's you thinking about the quarterbacking in this game? You know, I think the bigger question is about how late he was pulled. Who's going to be starting going forward? You know, like it, it, he threw for under 200 yards and two picks. I think this should be VA's team. Maybe Machota leans towards Harris. Um, it, it, it's Yeah, it's very interesting guy, dynamic. I don't know if Kari's playing for his job or playing for his life. Does he know the GM favors one guy? So he's leaning that way a little more and gives that guy more leash. And I don't know. I think... I think Harris probably shouldn't have even started the game. I think it's VA's team, so of course he was in there too long. Uh, I got no much more to add than that, uh, Mike. Yeah, can we maybe talk about that dynamic just really quickly here at about 30-second answers or less? Um, how would you feel if, if you're Tahari Jones? You, you, you're seemingly coaching with your, your job on the line, at least in Montreal. You know the guy that's kind of your boss has experience coaching in the lead and Danny Machocha could decide to step down uh, from the bots and become coach at any moment. Um, how is that dynamic kind of playing out? And uh, I'm wondering if you guys were in a similar situation, how that would kind of handle your mindset. Because to me, I agree there comes a point where 
you know, to how you don't might be so desperate to win games, but he forgets, you know, I, I just got to do, and I got to win this game at all costs to save my job versus, you know, common sense kind of being not thrown away, but when you're desperate to win games, you sometimes reach for things that don't exactly make sense beyond that moment. I'm wondering how you guys view that dynamic between Machulcha and uh, Tahari Jones. If you're if used right, I think it's okay because you got an extra set of eyes to maybe give you a second opinion on something that maybe you don't have uh, uh, that you want to see. However, I don't think it's being used as that. And I think that right now it's probably not working so well uh, between Machocha and Jones I, or, and uh, uh, Kahari. So I just, I, I'm very nervous about that right now for, uh, for Kahari Jones, just because let's face it, it's never fun to do anything with somebody on your back. Trey? No, that's perfect that in the comments, Andrew mentioned that I was going to use Jerry Jones as an example. But one reason the Dallas Cowboys are never going to win a Super Bowl is because of Jerry Jones, right? He's too much uh, putting his hands in the cookie jar. And, you know, you got you got Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott, who are some of the best players in the league, and they can't do anything because you got Jerry Jones. So, yeah, you know, I don't know if it's the owner necessarily. Maybe he's getting into it a little bit, but I think it's coming from the GM. So that's why I think that it's not working. But it's going to be Kari Jones that loses his job, not Machota, right? I think that I think that Gary um, Gary Stern will keep his GM and get rid of the uh, get rid of the coach. Right? To, oops, the one thing I just wanted to bring up real quick. You're right, Cat. It's very early in the season here. I mean, we're talking what four weeks? Can you really let a coach go in four weeks? I mean, if the guy is absolutely a train wreck, but Montreal won a game. Uh, they played a competitive game for a half against Saskatchewan. Uh, let's face it, they've played a good game against the Calgary Stampeders. So I don't know if you can really let somebody go right away here uh, just because you think maybe Machocha might be a better guy. However, like you said, there's a Jerry Jones effects, and I think uh, the owner, Gary Stern, he seems to be a guy that wants victories, and he wants victories now. So... You never know what could happen in Montreal. They're starting to turn into the Cowboys of the North. Yeah, it's early, but if we didn't complain about it now, we wouldn't have a podcast, right? We would just sit here till Labor Day and then talk about it, right? We got to do it. We got to say the sky is falling other than no one's going to listen. So, yeah, I think I think it's early. And, like, what, they're tied for first or one half point down. So it's not the end of the world. Uh, they could be Hamilton. They could be Ottawa. But there's a lot of season left. So, yeah, Mike, what do you got to add? Yeah, I it's it's very interesting, eh? Because we, we we talked about you know by extension GM coach pressure. Now you guys brought up an element, but I think it's very interesting. But thought about owner coach GM, right? Because we have an owner that seems to want to win right now. By the way, one of the best Twitter accounts in the CFL, if it's not a player, is uh, you know Jerry Stern. Uh, he's a very uh, opinionated person. Uh, I believe. And this is no knock against them. I believe the CFL needs more owners uh, just like him uh, to kind of say it like it is. You know what? One, one could argue, and, you know, I, I think this would be the appropriate time for me to bring out my NFL allegiance uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. So I feel everybody's sympathy uh, when it comes to uh, Jerry Jones maybe overreaching in the cookie jar. But, you know what? The, the analogy is there. Um, 
like I said, I mean, doom and boom to four weeks. Uh, you know, we saw, um, we, we saw that, uh, you know, BC started one and four, all those, one and five, all those years ago. And, uh, and, and won the, uh, won the, uh, great cup. So, you know, there's the old adage, right? The CFL season starts, uh, Labor Day, you know, in and around there. And even the Bombers in 19, winning those three games on the road, difficult, but doable. I think, especially the way the West playoffs are shaking down. That being said, somebody that's a little bit off script, but I just want to spend about two or three minutes talking about, uh, since I like to do this about every four weeks, uh, or when, when I, when Ryan and I used to host the old format of the show, and I, it's something that I wanted to bring back. Um, and it's kind of ties into power rankings, but oh, I'll ask it right now. Um, Really quickly, what's been your biggest sort of, oh, I didn't see that coming moment, and your biggest disappointment through four weeks? And uh, we'll, we'll start with Trey on this one. Well, I'm sure I'm going to take everybody's, the BC Lions. Like, wow. I think I, I think I had them fifth, fourth, or fifth. I think I had them fourth and just to the Elks. It's the craziest thing. I, 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 um, yeah, I was one of those ones that I'll admit and I'll eat my words. I did not think the Canadian quarterbacks were going to work, and now we're there four and zero this year and going high. So, yeah, that's on me there. And my biggest disappointment, I guess, I'm going to put the Hamilton Tiger Cats. They're not looking like Tiger Cats. They're looking like baby kittens out there. And I, I think that goes to that we're talking about owners. I think Victor Cooey put that one out there, right? So, yeah, they're not. Uh, yeah, Steel Town needs to do better, uh, Adam. No, I think what I'm going to put is my biggest uh, thing that I actually really have uh, been surprised and happy about. Uh, I think you got a trade, but uh, you're going to say the BC Lions. I'm going to say just the Canadian quarterbacks in general. Uh, seeing them being celebrated for once in the CFL instead of saying, oh, no, the CFL quarterbacks are coming in, we're done, uh, versus uh, the CFL quarterbacks are coming in great. I, I really love it. I mean, Nathan Rourke has been a guy that's been helping sell tickets in BC uh again they even gave him a special now five games for 129 bucks uh the bc the ownership has been great because they're supporting the canadian guy uh same thing in edmonton i like that the canadian quarterbacks getting a little bit of looks right away i mean just drafted this year. when was the last time that you ever said that a quarterback drafted this year a it's a canadian quarterback and b he's playing already in the cfl and starting not just playing uh, so to me, that's huge for the CFL and for the build. The other thing that I'm a little more disappointed in so far, uh, some of the refereeing in this league has got to start improving. One thing I really wanted to bring up was the uh, roughing the passer. Come on, man. Some of these passes are like these roughing the passer calls. I swear are just phantom calls. And uh, I mean, yes, they are hitting the quarterback. Guess what? The idea is to hit the quarterback with the ball in his hand. And sometimes the quarterback is pretty quick and pretty deceptive at getting the ball out. Uh, the game against Saskatchewan uh, this week with Al Bradbury throwing uh, phantom calls on both sides. Montreal hit Cody a few times and I was like, really? That, that's roughing the passer? Okay. And the same thing this week uh, against Toronto and Winnipeg. There are some really questionable calls on those and guys, it's got to be looked at. 
uh, this uh, this season. They got to really watch for that uh, roughing the passer calls. Uh, and there's some other calls too that I was really kind of a little DPI has been called kind of funny once in a while. Uh, but you know what? It's it, that's always been the CFL's little thing with the refereeing. Most times it's very good. Uh, Andre Pruel, I thought, had a pretty good game tonight. Uh, but again, like I said, Al Bradbury the other night, I was I was ready to grab my phone and throw it at the field the other day when I was out at uh, in Regina. So, Mike, what's yours? Yeah, the in- interesting thing here, quickly, I have a couple disappointments, a, a cu- couple surprises, uh, and one wish. Uh, my wish is that every time a Canadian quarterback starts a game, that it no longer becomes a big story, uh, that it always is. As much as it's a nice, you know, uh, historical thing of, oh, we did a Canadian quarterback, but it, it seems like that's the biggest storyline in the whole game of uh, – Player X is a Canadian quarterback, and he's playing uh, in the in the game, and he's Canadian. And like, to me, I, I understand that the storyline is somebody that's a broadcaster, but I want those types of storylines to become normal. And it's so and so made to start, and he's in the in the game and deserves to play regardless of his nationality. I, I understand that the story every time a guy makes his first start. But I just want it to be normal to have a Canadian be a quarterback. I want to be able to see a quarterback like Trey Ford and Nathan Ford and say, yeah, that guy is the guy, but I'm a fan of Team Atts, not even knowing if he's a Canadian, if he's an American. Because to me, if he's a good football player, regardless where he comes from, he deserves to be on the field. And uh, I would agree. I, I love the uh, Nathan work. Uh, Trey Ford scenario. Uh, one of my surprises, and this might be a little bit sheepish, uh, be, being from Winnipeg and being the two-time defending champs, but I did not have the Bombers at 4-0 to start the year. Uh, did given their changes. Um, to be honest, I expected 2-2. Two and two. I expected the Bombers to regress a little bit. To be fair, it still might come. Um, but again, you know, you can make that East-West discussion, right? First in the East is you know, four weeks in is one win. Uh, the Riders are three and one in their fourth, uh, and their fourth in the division uh, right now would be the crossover, which, which is hard to fathom. But uh, no, that's that's kind of been uh, very interesting. Uh, and then the really, really, really disappointing thing is the officiating. I know I'm gonna probably tee, tee this one up for Trey, uh, who, has, who has something to say about this. But I just want to say I'm really disappointed in general with, you know, what is a holding call, what is not a holding call. Because in fairness, I think a lot of people could say, oh, you know, there's a holding call uh, on every play. It's just, does he see it? Uh, tonight, I, I have big issue with, and thankfully it didn't cost Winnipeg the game, and it wouldn't have been the sole reason, but Winnipeg lost uh, the game. Uh, to me, I have trouble understanding the Demario Houston Brandon Banks play. Um, to me, it's Demario Houston having the ball, um, losing it, presumably going to the ground, and then Banks kind of taking it away. But the way I see the play is Demario Houston coming down, his leg touches the ground, um, therefore it should be down by contact. First down, Winnipeg. 
Um, but again, it, it's, you know, you have to finish the play. And that's not the only play I have exception with. And I think this play could be eliminated, this debate, so to say, by having a camera in the command center, which tells us exactly what they're thinking. Uh, we, we, you know, we want transparency. And I guess, you know, everybody wants to rail on officials and, you know, whether it's for your team or against your team, and we say, you know, it's conclusive so the play stands or there's not enough to overturn it. To me, I think a little bit of an explanation, like what they do in the, I think it's the USFL, where they take you into the uh, review room, uh, tell you exactly breaking plays down. Uh, I, I think that needs to be kind of rectified. Uh, for sure, so that there's not guessing uh, as to what it is. And I'm not trying to sing about the Myers Houston's play on uh, Brandon Banks, because full disclosure, I, I thought it was a touchdown, um, just based on the way I viewed once the original call was a touchdown, very hard to overrule. But it would be nice to have somebody in that uh, in the command center to... Um, to kind of talk about it and what did you see um what replays did you have uh was it anything different than what we saw on tv and then i guess the c part how did you apply the rule uh if you know that situation warrants itself trey yeah i i think it was a touchdown because i think the main thing is you need to survive contact with the ground when you're making a play like that and technically he didn't because Brandon Banks ended up with the ball, right? So he didn't survive the contact with the ground. Um, I, I could have saw it go either way. I wouldn't have been mad either way, but I'm going to say it was a touchdown. That's my view. Um, and I think that was one rule the refs got right in the game. I think a lot of these passers are roughing the passers, man. This is unreal. Like, is this flag football out there? I understand you want to keep the quarterbacks. I understand all that. But we saw some last week where I believe a couple of guys got pushed into the quarterback and it's flags. We see the one today, there was one, a guy came right when Bethel Thompson was throwing. And I'm like, how can you stop? How do you expect these guys to stop? You want, you want, uh, you know, world-class athletes, but then you're telling them they can't play the game they've been training to play since they were five years old. And 20, yeah, and you know, things change and adapt. But 20 years ago, a lot of those hits were clean. So those five-year-old kids out in Texas or Alabama, wherever, they're hitting each other like that. So I think it's on un- un- the pass interference ones I didn't have any problem with today. It's the roughing the passers need to go away. Like that's a big 15 yards first downs all the time. And Andre Pruz watching one of my favorite referees, believe it or not. And I was kind of not a fan of his game today. But yeah, that you know, I could go a lot more, but maybe we'll do um countdown after hours so i can actually go off without there being beeps and stuff because i think the i think the cfl i'm usually a big fan of the cfl refing but this year it's on par with the mlb and that's saying something like mlb is trash if you've seen those strike zones and i think the cfl is getting into that i always like the cfl better than the nfl when it comes to football but not anymore so that's my two cents oh come on trey we don't have a uh, angel hernandez in our uh, in our league do we i mean come on we can't be that bad Anyway, uh, one little thing I just wanted to bring up real quick. Uh, Mike, you had a great, great idea there. Uh, TSN, if any of the producers are listening, which I'm sure they probably are, uh, hey, go and grab a former referee and put him right beside you and get him to explain calls. Uh, he'll 
why not? It's a great little idea on how to get the more involved in the game and get people involved in that. The other thing also that I want to see, and this is another little thing for produ- for production for TV, get the players to introduce themselves at the beginning of the game. The NFL has done that forever, and I'd love to hear the player, see the player, and have them say where they are and where they're from and which college they went to. Build yourself up a little bit with the CIS and the, uh, sorry, I keep saying CIS, it's U Sports now, and the NCAA. I mean, that's the way you're going to get people to know where you came from. So, uh, yeah, if TSN's listening, hey, there's two ideas for you. Mike, go back on that. The coolest thing ever was Cam uh, Cam Wake saying BC Lions on Sunday Night Football, right? So if you could get that going and, you know, get, get a guy like Trey Ford, you know, he's going to be saying that a few times this year, getting the getting the university that he goes to. And then the, the kids, are, kids at home are going to say, oh, I don't have to go to Ohio to play in the CFL. I can go to Waterloo. I can go to Manitoba. I can go to anywhere, right? That's what you need because – the casual fan might not know where those guys come from um, unless, you know, the broadcasters say it. So, yeah, that's a great idea. I never thought of that. But, yeah, Cam Wake, BC Lions was the coolest thing ever. Or even, like I said, the one when they were doing the Super Bowl, uh, Akeem Hicks, uh, University of Regina or whatever it was. And it was just like, yeah, sweet. Okay. Uh, really quickly, and uh, my apologies. Uh, I hope to train apology for kind of skipping over some segments here. So I'm going to make amends by – Allowing Trey to redo the prop betting segment. Uh, for those that missed the first part, uh, Trey, if you might want to recap the first game uh, and then go through all the way uh, on the prop bets, and then we'll update all the fantasy stuff afterward. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'll start off with the Thursday nighter. Uh, we let me see here. Uh, I believe. Ryan was the only one to take Ottawa at plus two. Adam and myself took BC minus two. BC coming up with that three-point win. So Adam and I get the wins there early on Thursday. Ryan uh, Ryan gets the loss. Uh, then we move to the next game, Edmonton at Hamilton. All of us took Hamilton minus six and a half. Well, we should have took Edmonton there uh, with them getting the win. Uh, and then we move on to... Saskatchewan and Montreal. All of us took Saskatchewan, except Adam who had the late change. He did take it, switch it to Saskatchewan, but he did have Montreal early, which ends up being the right choice because that's the only one. Well, we all got that one right. And then to end off the weekend, Monday night football in Toronto. I bet they'll be saying that in a few years, but on NBC instead of TSN. No, just kidding. Um, We all took Winnipeg minus five. And uh, the missed extra point screwed us over there, boys. Because I think Winnipeg could have had a chance to win that by a touchdown in overtime. So not a great weekend. Um, Adam and I went 2-2, two and two, and we're both at 9-7. and seven, So you're making money if you go with us. Ryan, the newbie to betting. Hey, 1-3 this week, but 7-9 overall. Not too shabby for a guy who I think still doesn't quite understand the spreads. Uh, so, you know, that's not too bad. And you know what the cool part about it all is, is, I mean, like I said, it is very tough to be doing what we're doing here. Don't forget, guys, we're going against spreads and everything else. We're not just picking pickums. If we picked pickums, we would be probably looking really good right now, me and Trey and uh, Ryan as well. Uh, But we're trying to pick against spreads and everything else. And uh, uh, like I said, lines and everything. So it's very tough to do what we're doing here. Uh, But again, 
don't just go and bet farms or bet college uh, tuitions or anything on us. We're we're good, but we're not that good. All right. So basically, everybody's favorite segment comes out. The uh, what what what's, what would be an appropriate word for this? The moment of truth. The the verdict comes out on our weekly progress when it comes to uh, CFL fantasy. In the CFL podcast fantasy lead, uh, Ryan has defeated Zach from Bonfire Sports and proves to 4-0 on the season while holding first place overall on the season. Adam defeats Ryan from Horseman Radio and proves to 3-1 on the season. Trey defeats O's from Ruse White, sorry, from Ruse White and Blue and improves to two and two and has the highest score this week with 135.8 points. Congratulations uh, to you. Uh, a note to our viewers and listeners of the podcast, you can catch all the fantasy results on Twitter at CF. Pod Fantasy and check out all the other great CFL podcasts involved. And also, I just wanted to add next week is Civil War. So you'll want to really catch next week's episode, uh, catch Wednesday's episode for sure here. Uh, Going to be interesting between me and Ryan, that's for sure. Uh, for sure. So I'll look forward to uh, catching that with everybody else. Uh, I just want to add, I just want to add real quick. I took all the advice from Adam and Ryan this week. So my win was bait. I, I had none of this set. And then the Wednesday show, I just did what you guys said. And look what happens to our listeners out there. I guess if you pick uh, Adam and Ryan, kind of mix and match, you'll get the top score of the week. And the other thing also is do what I say. Don't do as I do, because man, I was not great this week. In fairness, Trey, you may want to adjust those office hours back to what they were before. No way to room for anybody. Um, on a more serious note, though, on the uh, Canadian Football Countdown, our little fantasy lead, the week four totals are in. These are updated as of the uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers, Toronto Argonauts game being final. And everybody can give a huge round of applause for the weekly high score for Adam at 133.2. Congratulations to you. Uh, we will tell you what that does for your overall score momentarily. Uh, there's been a changing of the guard a little bit. That's Ryan at 85.3. Then myself with 67 points, which I'll be honest with more than I thought I had. I thought I was headed to unmitigated disaster. Uh, so this did not quite end up as bad as I thought it did, largely in part, I think, because of an Andrew Harris uh 100-plus yard game, which I think may have saved the graces a little bit. And unfortunately, Trey finished the week in last place with 64.6 points. Um, it's it's funny because it's almost like a, a, skip of a, t- a tip of the scales from one week to the next uh, based on performances. Um, Really quickly, guys, this was kind of just hopping in my head before we get the players of the week and uh, power rankings and all, all of that cool stuff. Um, what do you make of the lack of – what do you make of the strong performances from players that have emerged, that are emerging themselves 
in the CFL and maybe the lack of performance from guys that are, or I'll correct myself and say the quieter performances from the guys that we expect a little bit more from. Is that kind of interesting to you guys or, or, or how do you view that? So, yeah, I, absolutely. The one guy that I'm very surprised about so far this season has been Dalton Schoen from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Man, he's had some good games and gotten a few good fantasy points for all of us. And uh, this week was no exception. The man had a lot of great catches uh, this week in place of a probably a little bit banged up Greg Ellingson. So good on him. He's had some great, uh, great performances so far. The disappointment I've got, though, is unfortunately... Uh, has been so far has been Duke Williams uh, in fantasy. Man, did he burn me this week? I picked him up for ninety eight hundred bucks, and I thought, here we go. He's got no uh, Shaq Evans to compete against. He's going to be great. Nope. <laughs> no catches. No uh, touchdowns. No yards. No nothing. Over five, and uh, yeah, sucked a little bit. But uh, you know what? Just hasn't had a great season so far. But uh, yeah, season's still quite long. I think God. Uh, you're going to see Duke Williams turn around, especially when it, go, uh, when it gets colder out. Uh, Trey, what about you? Well, to answer kind of the question I thought you asked was, am I surprised? No, it's the CFL. There's always going to be the guys that you don't expect coming up big. But yeah, at least guys like Duke Williams that should probably do a little better. Harris, I want to do a little better. Maybe today's game was his best game of the year, you know, but he's not doing quite what you think he should do. And the quarterback play, can we really talk like, other than Nathan Rohr, can we really say there's a guy out there that's, you know, showing up the league? Like, it's just weird. It seems to be the Nathan Rourke show other than maybe he threw two picks this week, right? And so that's kind of my biggest concern that the teams in the West seem to keep winning, but their quarterbacks are being meh, you know, throwing about 60% and, you know, one touchdown, one pick kind of games. And those aren't games that you usually see out of the Western quarterbacks, right? We're used to Bo Levi and Fajardo and years of Michael Riley, you know, owning games. So that's my biggest kind of disappointment there. And yeah, my biggest surprise, happy surprise. Yeah, the 4-0 teams. I think that's actually going to make the West really interesting. Like looking at it for this week, the battle of undefeated. And then you got Calgary playing the West game. I'm really interested. I think it'll be a question for Wednesday. Which team's going to be the only, is there going to be one undefeated team? Is there going to be two undefeated teams? You know, how's it going to shake up looking next week? So that's my biggest surprise. Yeah, for sure, guys. I uh, appreciate the input there because I don't know about you, but there's days where, you know, I'm watching CFL games and it's like, hey, quarterback, why didn't you throw to my guy? Or hey, quarterback or offensive coordinator, why didn't you throw, let your quarterback throw that 25-yard die wide open to give me some fantasy points? So it's almost like, it. I'd say this jokingly, it sets the fun out of it when you're cheering for specific players. Uh, you can't help but get a little annoyed uh, at the circumstances. Uh, anyway, the long-awaited update when it comes to full-on season totals. Uh, good news for Adam. He has overtaken the, uh, the lead lead from Ryan this week thanks to his monster performance. Uh, he's sitting at a grand total of 412.7 points. Ryan is next with 378.9 followed by Trey at 286.1, and then myself at 272.8. And if anybody followed our CFL lead last year, you'll know I'm right where I want to be for this time of year. But but we'll see uh, with uh, 
a little bit more uh, a little bit more time uh, to go in the season. I believe almost three quarters of the season left still. Uh, 22 weeks. Yeah, there's, they're getting there, but uh, not quite at the at the uh, quarter pole yet. Um, do you guys have an opinion on your weeks uh, really quickly or overall? Let, let's face it, the uh, pickup of uh, Keon Hatcher with nobody saying a word was probably the greatest pickup this week for myself. Uh, I think he got me, uh, what was it here, uh, 29.7 points, I believe, 29.6 points. And, uh, yeah, having Jamal Morrow and Kevon Schaefer-Baker. Uh, uh, the guy can uh, – he's a real playmaker, that Schaefer-Baker. Gave me uh, quite a few points at 22 and uh, Jamal Morrow at 27. So, uh, yeah, it was a good week to be Adam Stewart, I suppose. Trey? Uh, you know, I don't like showing my cards to my opponent, but this might be a rebuild year for me. I don't know how it's going to work. But if uh, if anyone wants some players, I'll I'll – I definitely I'll take first round picks from anybody. I'll I'll start nothing but first I'll start nothing but bench players and tank for Bedard, I guess, is happening on Team Trey right now, even though it's their own sport. So is Team Trey contemplating a coaching change or a general manager change? You know, yeah, we're gonna have to take a deep look in there. You know, I remember I re- I can't remember who it was. I think it was the GM that came out with the first pick and was really happy. You know, that guy's kind of an yeah, he's gone. He's going to clean out his locker tomorrow. Team, Team Adam must be pretty happy with his resurgence this week. Yeah, Team Adam has had on to a few had a few more pieces going in for a great, great cup run here. Uh, looks like we're going to get home field for a little bit, so uh, should be pretty good. So, uh, yeah, although we're still at the quarter pole point, so we're going to have some adversity coming up for sure. But, uh, yeah, we're riding high right now. Now, to the part of the show, which... Causes some debate amongst us. Uh, let's get ourselves to player of the week. I uh, know uh, the, the part of the show where there seems to be a lot of debate every week, uh, players of the week, maybe less debate than the power rankings. But, uh, Adam, if you could give us, I think we'll start with you here. Uh, or Trey, it's a Trey on my list. Uh, we'll see which, which one comes up first. Um, right now, and it'll be Adam. Uh, Adam, do you want to explain your player of the week? Who is your yeah. player of the week, and why did you choose them? For sure. Uh, so honorable mention to uh, Keon Schaefer-Baker. Had a pretty good game for the Riders as well. But uh, my pick of the week was Jamal Morrow. 16 carries, 103 yards, one touchdown, two catches. But the big thing for him was 106 return yards. Again, if you follow the uh, the rule of Trey, it's make sure you got good uh, field position to start off a game. So Jamal Morrow did all of that for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders this week and definitely would be my player of the week. Okay, so now I'll do my player of the week. Uh, This is kind of a rather elementary, but I want it to be different than everybody else and avoid the the same player being taken. So I took my chance to go a little bit off the board, but I did stick with the Riders on this one. He had a big, big pitch, sits to ice the game uh, against the Alouettes at Mosaic uh, Stadium, which made Michael Ball go into an absolute frenzy. If you've heard the radio call, uh, you knew exactly what was happening on the play based on his excitement level, which is cool to see. By the way, uh, Ballsy, if you uh, watch the show, I think you're doing a great job 
as is Derek Taylor uh, in Winnipeg, two guys, two broadcasters in new places uh, two or four weeks. Uh, but all that being said, I had to pick uh, Nick Mar- uh, Marshall as my player of the week. Uh, he had a 90-yard interception return right when it looked like Montreal was going to find a way to get back in the game uh, and have a chance, I think, to cut it. Uh, boy, I'm so lost. Maybe it was within a field goal or a touchdown. Um, uh, and then, yeah, so uh, Nick Marshall is uh, my player of the week uh, for this week. And now, Trey, we will move on to Trey. Uh, Trey, who did you pick for player of the week? Yeah, well, first I want to give my honorable mention. My honorable mention was Brandon Banks, and the guy that I did end up picking, they they were 100% my picks until about 25 seconds left in that Bomber-Argo game. And then uh, I don't like usually giving uh, the picks to – sorry, I don't like giving the player of the games to guys on losing teams necessarily, but – I got to give Brandon Banks and Andrew Harris my player of the week there because it's tough enough playing a game in the CFL, but you're coming against not only your former team, but also uh, also your hometown team. So I think that I thought Andrew Harris did everything he needed to do. Maybe maybe should have given him more in the yard in the air. He did it like how many games can we really? Mike and I and Ryan will know how many games can we honestly say Andrew Harris run for over 100 yards and the Bombers lost, right? That doesn't happen very often. So he did everything he could have done. And like I said, Brandon Banks would be my uh, my second choice. Uh, what's up with Ryan's? Uh, Matt Dunedin has been cooking in the back, and he cooked up his player of the week for us, which I, by no intention of my own, have not seen yet. Uh, but he goes with Tian Hatcher, seven catches, seven targets, 166 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, guys, I think um, I have to give an explanation for this because uh, Ryan's not here tonight. But I, I think part of it is it's not too often you see a guy uh, catch every ball that's thrown in his direction, uh, seven catches on seven targets, and then, of course, the 166 yards and uh, one touchdown uh, to go along with it. Uh, so those are our players of the week. Now for the more debatable part of the podcast, uh, and that is the uh, power rankings. And these are subject to a lot of debate, uh, friendly debate, friendly discussion. We're all still here, so we haven't had uh, too many uh, arguments about uh, power ranking, just a little fun thing, but everybody kind of pits their own power rankings. Nobody sees one another's power rankings until basically right before the show. And this is where we where we rotate, uh, where we give uh, team number one for the best team in the CFL and to number nine, uh, the worst team uh, in the CFL based on how we rank the nine teams based on their play all season long. So to lead off, lead us off tonight is going to be Trey. And Trey, if you could run us through your weekly power rankings. Well, yeah, we're going to start from the bottom this week. Uh, looking at Hamilton, they're in my new uh, number nine. Yeah, you can't lose to Edmonton like that. And, you know, we talked last week on the preview show. I think Hamilton was a 
must win. I was calling it for, and they didn't win and Edmonton got the win. I still wouldn't crown Edmonton. I think they got a long season, a lot of growing pains. So I want to see a little bit more out of them before I move them up any higher. And then I got uh, Toronto, Montreal in there. I think they're kind of interchangeable too. I want to start seeing the East play each other before I can really start making anybody move. Because they've only really played Western teams for the most part. Saskatchewan with their loss the other week, I'm going to have to put them fourth. And then you got the undefeated. Calgary, I'm, I'm pretty confident Calgary's my third. Winnipeg, I had number one at halftime today. And then they uh, they got rid of that lead pretty quick. So that's why I gave BC the top one. Because I always value defense a little more. But BC's got a pretty good defense too. So, yeah, that's why I think the Lions are my number one. And Hamilton uh, is on the bottom. Mike? I will now see my power rankings uh, for this week. A little bit of a change. Uh, BC, Winnipeg remain my top two. Calgary for a bye week couldn't justify moving them down. Saskatchewan, three and one. Kind of that West grouping. Uh, choose it how you will. I think we're going to have a definitive answer as to who number one is uh, come early Sunday or on Saturday night since it's a early evening game. Uh I really struggled, guys, to be honest, with 5 through 9, or more specifically, maybe 5 through 7. Uh, I, I think you could pit, pit, put these in any order. I had Ottawa at 5 based on results being close, Toronto at 6, Montreal at 7, just based on uh, their performances the last couple of weeks, and uh, realistically, you know, should have a couple more wins in the bank, but unfortunately, we've led a couple of games. Uh, really slip away. Uh, Edmonton, to me, has moved up in my rankings out of out of the basement for the first time all year by virtue of an impressive comeback uh, over the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And uh, Hamilton, number nine, uh, kind of speaks for itself. Um, Hamilton needs to right the ship uh, in the right direction uh, as soon as possible. Uh, lots of season left, lots of game left. Um but again, they are in that division where they have a bit of a soft landing. Uh, but again, time is only uh, of the essence. And tit tot, tit tot, tit tot before long. Uh, and you don't want the season to slip away uh, before it has to. So that, that's kind of, again, you could de- debate my 527. That's kind of just going back and forth on a couple other things. I'm not really too. I just pity about my top four. You could flip Winnipeg Calgary. You could flip Calgary Saskatchewan. Uh, really take your pit. It's hard because we don't have an awful lot of games between the teams, but we currently have ranked uh, one through four or even five through eight for that matter, head to head. We have one between my eight and nine, but uh, I, I think it's all going to become more clear as the season goes along and we start having head to head. Uh, between the teams involved. Uh, with his power rankings, we present the CFC regular season pool leader, Adam. Well, yeah, mine's a little different than most guys, and there's a reason behind this. Uh, let's face it, until the East gets a win against the West, that, well, isn't yeah, Saskatchewan and Montreal. I know they did get one. But you know what? They're finding ways to lose now. Uh, either a missed field or a missed convert, uh, letting a team that should have no business being back into a game, back into a game, uh, or just in Ottawa's case, 
let's face it, uh, they just were outplayed by a great BC Lions team. So, yeah, I've got the BC Lions first, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers second. I think that one's pretty straightforward. I just I think that uh, BC uh, is probably the stronger team right now than the Blue Bombers just because I think they're more of a complete package. Uh, Calgary began, they were dropping down uh, a little bit in the power rankings, but again, they were there last week for me and they've got a buy, so you can't really move them. Uh, Saskatchewan's got to pick it up in the first half and then maybe I'll think about moving them up. Uh, and Edmonton, let's face it. I don't think they're as good as some of the Eastern teams, but again, the Eastern teams keep losing to the Western teams. So why not just let them be in fifth for now? Uh, Montreal. Yeah. I think they're probably the stronger out of any of the East teams right now. Uh, Ottawa's starting to maybe turn it around. I hope soon it's, we've been saying this for the last few weeks, say, well, let's face it. I'm a Ryder fan. So I hope that they don't turn around next week. Uh, but maybe never know. Um, Toronto, I don't know. They, they seem to be self-imploding a little bit, especially if you've seen what happened on the bench uh, tonight. And uh, Hamilton, I think we've uh, beaten that horse a little bit much tonight. Uh, they got some work to do. We've been a bye week to get it ready. So that's my power rankings for uh, for this week. Yeah, so we have something the same, something different, and that's uh, the uniqueness of this segment. Uh, we don't collaborate with each other. We just have our honest power rankings. Some is the same, some is different, and uh, some is up for debate. Uh, so feel free to debate these power rankings on our social media accounts uh, within the rules, <laughs> of course. Um, friendly debate is obviously uh, recommended. And uh, as long as you keep it nice and respectful, uh, we will engage back. We love hearing from uh, everybody, whether it's in the comments for the live show or during uh, the week when we are not uh doing the show or off uh, our regular schedule. Uh, speaking of our schedule, there'll be some news on that here right now. Just as we wrap things up on our week four recap, we'll take a look at what's coming up next on the podcast. So the week five preview will be this Wednesday, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. Adjust to other time zones accordingly. What I learned in school is that that might be 8 o'clock in Alberta and 7 o'clock in British Columbia, 10 o'clock in the east. And, well, if you want to burn the midnight oil, 11 or 11.30 out on the east coast. Uh, We were a little later today, uh, today because of the Blue Bomber game, but next Monday, it's back to our regular time for the week five recap, uh, 9 p.m. Winnipeg time, 8 p.m. Saskatchewan time. You guys can figure out your time zones uh, accordingly. I don't need to play the role of uh, time zone master uh, because I don't know everyone's time zone off of the uh, offhand. I just want to give a special shout out as well uh, to those of us that tune in uh, those of you that tune in, uh, not only from Canada, but in the U.S. and watch us in, watch us and tune in on the podcast uh, internationally uh, as well. I know there's a couple of you, uh, but I know of anyway that like to watch this in Europe and a few other places. And we've had, uh, we've had uh, different locales of which we're listening to this podcast. So we're, we're we are 
deeply appreciative of everybody, no matter where you listen to listening to us from. Uh, reminder: you can watch these shows and more live every week over on YouTube by searching the Canadian Football Countdown. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com CFC uh, CFC Countdown Pod, and on Twitter at CFC Countdown Pod. On Twitch, Twitch, twitch.tv backslash CF Countdown Pod, as well as on the Game Time TV uh, face, uh, YouTube page uh, for now. Also, a reminder, and I neglected to mention this in the opening segment, uh, all made possible thanks to our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Learn more about Game Time TV for now, uh, facebook.com backslash game time TV. If you want to follow us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at CF Countdown Pod. Make sure you check the uh, sorry, make sure you check the check out the CF Pod Network on Twitter for all the other great shows around the network as well. So just as we wrap up, I like to kind of ask uh, everybody for and we can kind of combine this into two segments, uh, two really quick answers. Uh, the B part, is there anything that we may have omitted or missed uh, talking about? And then Adam and Trey, if you could uh, tell us where to find you on social media. It's a kind of a double-ended question, uh, but if you could squeeze in both, uh, that would be appreciated. We'll start with uh, Adam on this one. You know, uh, nothing really that we really missed. I just wanted to bring up, uh, you know what, uh, CFL, I still don't have my video game. I'm waiting for it. Uh, and whenever you get to it, I'm ready to buy it. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, mostly nothing really that we missed today. Uh, special shout-out to Matt Dunnigan and his barbecuing skills. Uh, those were on full display for July 1st. Uh Look good, I guess. It took you three hours to cook something, but nevertheless. Uh, yeah, you can follow me over at Adam Stewart one over on Twitter. Uh, usually I've got farm stuff. I've got, uh, uh, what do you call it? Lots of stuff on the CFL, some of my opinions on it. Uh, and hey, I like hearing from all you guys. So if you've got some questions, come on over to Adam Stewart one over on Twitter. Uh, Trey, what about you? Yeah, I want that video game too. Sorry, I was thinking I was just I was uh, lost in thought there. I was like, oh, a CFL video game would be so cool, man. You know, but uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Trey MB Harness. Uh, horse racing season in Manitoba. Obviously, a Cinnaboya Downs is going on, and um, if you're a harness racing fan, that kicks off for me this upcoming weekend. So I got to start saving the voice because I'm the announcer here in Manitoba for that. So I'm very excited. Yeah, if you want to check me out at Ed Tram B Harness, I got a lot of uh, gambling tips. If anyone followed me, I was 3-1-1 one, one for UFC this weekend. Three wins, one loss, and that no decision, that really pissed me off. That should have been uh, that should have been sugars there. I should have been 4-1, one, but I'll talk to Dana about that one next time I see him. But uh, yeah, at Tram B Harness, always down for UFC, CFL, horse race, man, anything. Uh, Star Wars. Got to see Kenobi, Adam. Got to see Kenobi. And Ryan, if you're watching this, you get, just just watch Kenobi. That's all you got to watch. You don't have to see anything else. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Uh, welcome, uh, Trey. Uh, what, and continue to uh, rest up those pipes for what I'm sure is Christmas week for you. 
I know you're probably excited to get back to what you love to do. Uh, so best of luck with that. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MikeGerl. That's M-I-K-E-G-E-R-L. You can also find me on uh, Facebook.com, Bathwatch Game Time TV MB. Uh, we have some news coming. I promise you it was push back a week, push back a week, push back a week. Uh, we have had some technical difficulties uh, in that regard. Uh, but they will be rectified shortly, and uh, we'll have some announcements to share uh, while beyond this show. Just want to thank everybody for their support uh, from this podcast for Game Time uh, TV. Uh, you can find Ryan at Cooper Trooper 42 on Twitter, uh, the admin of this show, currently working on the barbecue cooking up. I just we're about to find out when we when we get off. Uh, of this podcast so just a reminder whatever podcast platform you're listening on we appreciate uh if you do all the fun things such as like comment subscribe rate review share the show with your friends help us grow the show we really appreciate it uh, and thank you for i know there's a couple of uh you that like to tune us in on a weekly basis uh thank you very much for making us uh, appointment viewing uh, we do not take that. At least I don't. I don't take that for granted. Uh, it is about an hour and a half to two hours of everybody's time. Uh, so it is uh, very much appreciated. Uh, whether you're checking us out, have been with us all season or all franchise, or this is your first night, welcome. Uh, great uh, great to have you. Uh, great to have all the interaction in the chat. And uh, hopefully you uh, come back for some more uh, CFL uh, debate as well. A reminder, the next show is Wednesday night at 9 o'clock Winnipeg time, 8 o'clock Saskatchewan time, and that will be the Week 5 preview. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in on this edition of the Canadian Football Countdown, whether it's on YouTube or catching us on the podcast. Also, thanks for tuning in uh, for this one if you're joining us on demand or on the podcast. We don't want to forget you guys because we know there's people that catch us live and then listen after the fact. For Trey and Adam, this is Mike saying thank you very much. I hope I get invited back to run this show again, but I have to turn my keys in back to Ryan, which I'm going to do so right after the show. Thank you very much for listening, in all seriousness, and we will be back next week. Bye for now. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you later. Good night, everybody.